Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church Podcast for Sunday, January 22nd, 2023. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Today we will, we will be, seems kind of loud today, maybe I'm not. What's that, pretty normal in the back? Okay. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 is where we'll be today. The title of the sermon is, we're, we're looking, as, as you have seen, and as we will keep going, we're thinking about faith. So today is the faith of Noah. And then the emphasis of his faith is going to be just his witness. His witness then in the world and then a picture for us. So with that in mind, let me read Hebrews 11.7, and then we will pray and get started. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, notice the unseen, back to Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, which is the flood, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for these words today that are before us. And we pray that you would, would be honored as we look at them, as we think about them, Father, in spite of me, I pray that you would work greatly. Father, today I trust, um, I trust in Christ, and he is my righteousness. It is not my own and my sins. And those of us today who are Christians, our sins are uh, forgiven in Christ. And if this is so, then we are just like Noah. We are heirs of righteousness. And... Uh, Father, I pray that today the gospel would be proclaimed. I pray that Jesus would be lifted up. I pray that he would be more beautiful to us today. And uh, Father, we just give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today again we come to the faith of Noah. So in the last two sermons we've seen the faith of, of Abel. And then we've seen the faith of Enoch. And uh, one of my commentators, A.W. Pink, which I follow him quite a bit, um, he says that the order of these three men are very important. He says that the focus of Abel's faith was his worship. In other words, what is acceptable to God. So he begins there. And then the focus of, of Enoch's faith is his, his walking with God or his, his, his righteous living before the world. And then when we come to Noah, the, the focus is, is Noah's witness to the world. And he says these things are very important because we got to start with what is acceptable, worship, and then with righteousness and, and obedience, and then comes the witness. And so that is one of the reasons he believes that, that the, writer of the, Hebrews, the writer of the Hebrews here puts them in this, in this order. And so... Today, as we come to this text, as men and women of faith, as Christians today, and this is always, 
even if you're visiting, my sermons are geared towards Christians, although if you are not a Christian, hopefully you will hear the gospel and turn unto Christ. But as Christians, we worship God and we know what is acceptable. He's told us what is acceptable. We come to God through Christ and then we follow God's revealed will in obedience um, and then as we go, we are God's, we are witnesses to the world. And so if we look at the New Testament, Noah is called a, a preacher of righteousness, and so are we. And so today I have three truths, and then after that, three applications to finish us out. But here, go ahead and give you the three truths. Um, here's the first one. To be a witness, there must be revelation from God. So that's very simple. To be a witness, there must be revelation from God. That's number one. Number two, to be a witness, there must be an internal and an external obedience. So the focus there is obedience. Obedience from the heart and then our actions. And we see that often. Third truth, to be a witness brings both salvation on the one hand, as Noah his family were saved, and then condemnation, on the other hand, to the world who hears this message. So, number one, to be a witness, there must be a revelation from God. So in the context of Noah, there is revelation. God told Noah exactly what he was going to do with a warning. And then he gives Noah specific, specific instructions. Look at verse 7 there with me. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. God did not have to warn him because all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And we know that that time, at that time, evil upon the earth was, it was, it was as great as it has ever been. And so God warns Noah with revelation. And we are told in Genesis 6 that Noah was a righteous and blameless man, just like Enoch. He also said that he walked with God. And then God came to him with a warning, and by faith, what does Noah do? He obeys. He builds this big boat, the ark. As, and then in the process, he is a witness to the world. And so we get this story from Genesis 6. If you, if you want to turn there, you're welcome to. But if not, you can just listen to me. But I'm going to look at Genesis 6 Verses 11 to 14 says this. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, here's the revelation. I have determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, there's the word behold. Look at what I'm about to do. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. <clears throat> Therefore, make yourself an ark. And then if we go on down in, in some later verses, verses 17 to 22 of Genesis 6, God gives specific instructions about the ark and how to make the ark and is very clear about what to do. And then in verse 22 of chapter 6 of, of, of Genesis 6, Noah's response, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him to do. 
God reveals himself to Noah, and he reveals himself in the same way to us. And one of the purposes of God's commands is that we be a witness to him and for him in this world. And so to see this, we must go way back to our first parents, just by way of example. Genesis 1, verse 28. I quote this verse often because it is so important to the understanding of the rest of Scripture. Here we see God's command, God's revelation about what Adam and Eve are supposed to do in this world. He says to them, and these are common words, Genesis 1, 28, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, I know it at that time, it was a little bit different in that there was no sin at that time, but the principle is still the same. God reveals himself and he gives instructions to his people. And so we must listen and obey. And when we do, we live by faith as God's witnesses in this world. I think of Jesus' encounter with Satan when he went into the desert to be tempted and, and, and Satan tempts him. And, uh, and we read these words here, the very first part of Matthew 4, verse 3. And the tempter came and said to him, to Jesus, Jesus, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And what did Jesus say? But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So to have faith is to be a witness. To be a witness is to have faith. That's what we do. That's what Noah did. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? The Word of God. This is our principle. Faith is not baseless in this regard. It is based on a very clear word, revelation from God. The same with Noah, the same with us. And so like Noah, just by <clears throat> just thinking about his context and our context, we are also given a warning of coming judgment. In the words of Paul to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 1, 7 to 10, we read this. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might, when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10 and following. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and <clears throat> the hastening, the coming, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn, but according to his promise, here's the faith, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. 
So today, what will we do with this revelation from God? If we are people of faith, we will also do as Noah did. We will live righteously in this world, and we will also tell others. Verse 14 says this of 2 Peter 3. Therefore, my beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. So just transitioning that to, to us today. If someone were to say to you, what are our marching orders, practical marching orders as Christians, what are they today? I, th I hope you would go immediately. This is really the mission of the church. Matthew 28, we would go right to Matthew 28, 18. And, and those of you who know those verses, I hope all of you do, as I quote them often. But Matthew 28, Jesus says, right before he sends back, he leaves to go up into heaven. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, now there is the go therefore, that is the command, but, it, 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 but the meaning there is also as we go, but there is the command to go. But as we go and as we go, we are to do what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is, those are our marching orders, the command clearly given by our Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ that we not only live in a godly way, but that we go and we teach them to obey all that the Lord Jesus has commanded us. That's what we do. And this is the clear revelation of God to us. Again, I'm holding off on some applications now, but <clears throat> we'll get to those at the end. But let's move on to number two. So to be a witness, there must be a revelation from God. And we have that. To be a witness, there must be an internal and an external obedience. Look at verse 7 again there in Hebrews 11. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Here's the revelation, the warning of God. And then we see Noah's reaction. What is his reaction first that we read here? In, in what? In reverent fear. He did what? He constructed the ark. Here we see the heart, the reverent fear, and then we see the action, the building of the ark. And they always go together. We, we tend to separate them out as, as, as I, I hate to say it, but just as cultural Baptist Christians throughout this culture and the times that we've lived as we just separate out a profession, a baptism, a walking of an aisle, or something like that, and then we can just go on and live as we want because we hold on to eternal security so hardly and fastly, which we should, but it's very much an error to think that we can separate out the heart from obedience, and we must not do this. And so with Noah, we have an example. When Noah hears the command of God, he obeys outwardly by building the ark. And, and we will see this obedience go on for a long period of time in Noah's life. But his motivation in building the ark is always reverent fear. Now, 
When we think about this reverent fear, the meaning is not the same as being scared of something. Have you ever had a dream when you're a kid or even when you're older and you have some type of nightmare, you're just scared? Well, that's not exactly, there's a bit of an overlap, but that is not what it means to have reverent fear for God. Like some of us are fearful or afraid of, of sharks. I hope everybody in here is afraid of sharks. Some of us won't even get in the water in the ocean. I know that. And so there's probably quite a few of us in here that won't do, I'm not, I guess I'm not one of them. I do get out there, but I'm still scared of sharks and I still always think I'm just a something bobbing here. But anyway, it's not the same. The meaning that, that is meant here in the text is not like one would have, um, like kids when you go to school and someone bullies you and you are fearful, you're scared. Just this week, I watched Andy Griffith, and there's the one, if you've seen it, Opie has to give the nickel or the dime or whatever to the kid who's going to give him a knuckle sandwich, and he is scared, and so he does that, you know, week after week for a period of time until he finally stands up, but that's not the kind of scared or fear that is meant here that Noah displays. They're all types of unhealthy fear, even a wife who submits to her husband because she is scared of what he will do. This is not healthy. This is not the fear of faith. The fear we see with Noah is a reverential fear. I think of Philippians 2.12. says this. Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The fear that faith produces, so if you think you are a person of faith, think about what's coming out. The fear that faith produces does fear God's warnings. I'm sure Noah feared the warning to come, and, but I, <clears throat> it is not an anxious fear. Noah did not, I don't think he feared the flood in and of itself. Was he fearful? Yeah, I'm sure. But it wasn't the flood that was the basis of his fear. He feared the one who was going to bring the flood. And I, I've shared this before too, but years, a few years back, do you remember the big uh, tidal earthquake off of the coast of Japan and the tidal waves that come in and we used to see those pictures and there's just... Some guy just standing there on the bridge, uh, the ones that I saw. And all of a sudden, there's this literally a wave, not just a wave, but the whole ocean seems to be coming continually. And, and then houses get picked up and boats get picked up and bridges get picked up. And all you get is just destruction coming into that part of that island. And there was nothing they could do. Could you imagine there, even some of the video cameras that we saw, some of them perished because they're like, wow, some of those cell phones, look what is happening. Can you imagine the, the fear? But brothers and sisters, there is the one who is in control and sovereign over the waves and the one who sends in his providence all things that come to pass. And so I believe that Noah feared, but he didn't fear the flood as much or even on the same plane as he feared the one who was going to bring the flood. Luke 12, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, 
do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, they have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you to fear him. Those are the words of the Lord Jesus. Those are our words today. As men and women of faith, following the example of Noah, when we hear the warnings of God, such as the ones that we've been hearing in the book of Hebrews, of do not fall away, do not drift away, do not disobey as they disobeyed in the desert. When we hear such things, what do we consider? We consider the greatness, the holiness, and the power of God as the one behind all of this. Yet, <clears throat> the one that we also fear is the very one that we run to because he is the only one who can save us from the very things and the warnings that he will bring. Because what does he do with Noah? What does Noah do? He builds the ark. He knows the flood is coming, but he runs and he does exactly what God does. And so that is something God does. And I'm not really talking about it in this sermon so much, but God does give his people special revelation to know what to do. And so... In this way, um, we must fear God. This is why in Psalm 111 verse 10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The only outcome pleasing to God that we can have from our heart is a fearful obedience. And I must preach it. We must preach that from the pulpit and we must tell people the same things that Jesus said. I just read in Luke 12. This means that faith, if you have faith, what gets influenced first, according to this model with Noah, are our affections. And then what follows? The obedience, the external obedience. And as people of faith, we obey God with a heart of fear. But this principle doesn't just work with commands or warnings of judgment. It, this principle stands forth. How many commands do we have in the Old Testament and then the commands of Christ in the New Testament? Can we hardly count them? We could probably count them, but they would be, they would be, they would be numerous. And so let's say as a husband, husbands, you read Ephesians 5.25, which says, husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So how do we apply this principle? If you want to be a good husband and you want to follow Ephesians 25, well, first, your motive is this. God says it, and there it is, and there are great consequences for my marriage if I do not do this. And by his grace, as a husband, I will obey this command. The same can be said about wives. Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. So how do you obey this command as wives? Well, you do very much the same thing. You have the command of God in obedient, reverential fear 
You do that. And you find out what the scripture says about how to do that. Husbands, you find out how Christ loves the church. And you go and you do that. Christian children. How do you obey Ephesians 6.1, which says, children, obey your parents in the Lord? Well, you do it. I know there has to be some age here because when kids are young, they don't understand all of this. But those of you who are Christian children, you understand this. You obey because first, God has said it. And in humility and in fear, because you know God says it first, not just your parents, you do the same. And this is what faith does. We could apply this to about any principle, any command given in the scriptures. And when we do this, we are a righteous witness to God and to the world. So that's number two. So to be a witness, we must have revelation. To be a witness, we have, there's an internal and an external obedience. And finally, to be a witness brings both salvation and condemnation. We see this in our example with Noah. The text says, he constructed an ark for what? Saving of his household. There's the word saving. Here, the obedience of Noah, <laughs> which is pictured as faith and described as faith, brings salvation to his household. And then, on, on the other side of that, to the world, what do we find? What do we see? We see condemnation. And then the next bit of that verse, look there. It says, by this he condemned the world. So the obedience of Noah, particularly his righteousness through the building of the ark and his witness, we find both salvation and condemnation. So as Christians, same principle applies to us. We are witnesses as we are be obedient to the Lord's commands, whatever they are in the scriptures. We are obedient. And then we go, and as we go, we make disciples. And we live in our hearts. We have a fear for God, and we do what he says, and we, <clears throat> and we go out and we make disciples. And then as we go out, though, and we live our lives with our families first, and then we go to our workplaces, and we go to our places of rec recreation, entertainment, what happens? We are witnesses. We go and we make disciples. But what happens? Have you ever shared the gospel with someone and they just flat out reject you or the gospel? Absolutely, you have. If you've shared the gospel, it happens probably in these days more than not. And so we will see some people listen. Some people do not listen. Some will be saved. Some will not. 1 Corinthians 1.18 Paul says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Hmm. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And, and if you are a Christian, you know what I'm talking about. The word comes and you go, oh, God is good to, to bring me that word. God is awesome and he is sovereign over all things. And he is holy and he is just and he is right. And you hear that word and it works in you by faith. There's great power. And you say, that's what I want. And that's why the power of God works in you. But that's why you, you were saved. And the other person, you could just talk to them about the gospel all day long. And it's like, you know, throwing a, 
a pickleball up against the wall and coming back to you. That's just what it's like. Some are saved, some are perish, some perish. 1 Corinthians 1.18. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Paul says, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ. I can't, can't imagine what a beautiful picture because there is no one more beautiful or lovely who would smell better than Christ. And we are the aroma of Christ. I remember I, I grew up hearing the gospel, and, but it was not an aroma to me when I was growing up and hearing the gospel. But in college, some folks came to me and shared the Bible, which I had been hearing my whole life, and all of a sudden, it was the aroma of Christ. And that is what he's talking about here. He says, for we, so when you go out and share and you be a witness, you are, to those being saved, to those who hear, you are a beautiful smell. You are the aroma of Christ. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. But among those who are perishing, to one of fragrance from death. I, I read a lot of war history, and, and they, it's kind of vivid. You hear even folks who have been killed during war and some of the smells you can imagine during a battle. And compared to the aroma of Christ, can we compare the two? But to those who are being saved is sweet. But to those who are perishing, it is the aroma of death. He says here, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Quick application on this point. It is our responsibility to seek after our own salvation and those committed to us first before we go to the world. But then we go to the world. We see this with Noah and who, who is saved? Who does Noah go to first? It is his family. In other words, we begin with ourselves, then our own families and our close acquaintances. That's where we begin before we move out. But I think of Peter's, Peter's first sermon after Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verses 39 and 40. He says, For the promise is for you and for your children. And for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So he's saying, the promise is for you and your children, and then to those who are far off. And after beginning with ourselves and in our homes, which, by the way, we read our covenant often, and, <clears throat> and it says we will, and it's particularly in the younger days, but we will practice family worship. Um, and so I, I, I'm urging you to be obedient in that way as fathers particularly, as, as parents, to lead your families and start with your home. And then we go out to the ends of the earth. Uh, it's something that, I, that I often our elders could, could attest to this. If I were to ask them probably what is the most read chapter through the past 15 years of our elders' meetings, 
Now, we don't read it every week or even every other week, but we read it often. It would be 1 Timothy 4. And in that chapter, he speaks to elders. And what he says is, keep this teaching. Keep the gospel. Watch yourselves. Watch your own godliness. Stick to these things. Let other people see your growth in faith, in purity, in speech, in conduct. And then if you hold on to the gospel, then you will save yourself and those who hear. And so, according to this, what a responsibility from, from the elder's perspective that even your salvation in the local body here at Grace is dependent on your leaders and how we hold on to this salvation, this gospel, and we look after ourselves. So those are my three truths this morning, though. And that's <clears throat> with that in mind, and I'll, I'll summarize at the end. But let's go to three general applications. First application. Faith holds on to things that are not seen. We, we're going to talk, continue talking about this because this is the example of Hebrews 11. Faith believes God, whom we cannot see. And faith believes in God's promises that are still yet future. They are not seen. This is the context of Hebrews 11. Look back at chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Conviction of things what? Not seen. Let's think about Noah's faith for just a minute. His faith is made evident as he believed the revelation of God about things unseen. Think about, if you go back to the flood and you think about human reasoning, God comes to Noah and says, I'm going to bring a flood in, in some time away, okay? What do you think that did for his human reasoning? It went against everything. It was unseen. Because so far, I believe there had been no rain as it was that came at the fall and now and comes today. The, uh, the, the scriptures is vague, but it just says that there was a mist coming up from the ground to water things, the water of the earth, the whole earth. And so there was water, but it wasn't the same as what we have today. To Noah... Where would all this water come from that would swallow the earth? And for Noah to think that God would destroy all the inhabitants? I mean, just think about that. Think about this warning that's coming from God. Also, from the time of God's revelation there to Noah, to the flood is a very long time away. Now, the way I read Genesis here, Genesis 6.3 Many people say that your years will be 120 means that God cuts the years down. But after the flood, people still lived for hundred, hundreds of years, though much less. I believe this 120 years is talking about the time that Noah had before the flood would actually come. And Noah could have thought, maybe the world will repent. I don't need to, to build the ark. And... Finally, I, and another little tidbit there, I, I think probably the, the ark didn't take 120 years to build. I mean, in, in, in a general statement, it did. It probably took Noah, if you go back to the genealogies and things, between 55 and 75 years to build the ark. But when he started building it, <clears throat> what do you think happened? 
<laughs> what do you think the people did with Noah during that time? What are you doing, dude? Building this big boat. Why do we need a boat? And I mean, we could just we could just think about that. I'm sure if he was on the city council, he would have lost his position for sure. And thinking about the ark, even if it would float, there was no mast, no sail, no rudder, no steering wheel, just a big door that God, by the way, shut. Man cannot shut such a door. But all of these things, think about it, goes against all the logical reasoning of the world at that time. And then think about what was coming. Can you, can you imagine be, being in, in a closed up in a room with your in-laws for a long, long, long period of time? Well, these were their daughter-in-laws, but can you imagine? There they were. But my point here is that faith sees the promise of God, believes God's promises, no matter what the world says, no matter the carnal and the logical objections of the world. If you go back to 11, verse 3, by faith we understand the universe was created by the Word of God. We were not there when the world was created. How do we believe that? By faith. And so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So today, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, this is faith. And if in your belief causes you to follow the commands of God and act in a way different than the world, this is faith and this is the way it will be. It's no different today than it was with Noah, at least in this regard, as witnesses we are walking by faith, believing in things unseen. That's one application. Second application. Got, I got two more. Second application. God always uses means to accomplish his ends. If Noah, what would have happened if Noah would have disobeyed? He would have perished in the flood. But he listened and he believed God and he built the ark. And the ark was God's means, God gave, to save Noah and his family. With God, there are always means to an end. The principle is still the same. Noah was never saved. We can never say that Noah was saved by his works. Now, we could say Noah was saved by righteousness, but it, we, we know as Christians it is the righteousness of another, the righteousness of Christ. But Noah was never saved by, by works. Neither, we, neither are we. But nevertheless, we, we use the means that God has provided. I think of Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. There's our salvation through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. By the way, if... Faith does these things, and it is supernatural, as we've seen, and we will see going forward, then it has to be a gift from God and not something that we can conjure up ourselves. It has to come from God. It says, <clears throat> not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Brothers and sisters, salvation, all of it is from God. But we must see the means God has provided. Think about the farmer. 
He works the fields, but then where does the increase come? From God. When we think about our health, we can follow all the health rules, we can eat perfect, we can exercise right, we can get the best sleep, but at the end of the day, when is it our time? When God will take us. He will be the one that will give the ultimate, uh, he, he's the one that will work in, in those ways as well. And so, these are pictures of our spiritual health. We, what are the means? Well, first means is Christ. And we'll come back to that in closing our final application. Christ is the one in, in whom we find our salvation. But when we think about just godliness in this, in this life, what do we do? What are some means? You may, some call them the means of grace, but what are the means? The Word. How have you done this week in reading the Word? Could you say with Jesus, this is the, I, I'm not going to live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds. What a good time I had this morning. And it was better the day, today than it was yesterday, the day before, and other days. And I, I know how it is. We're up and down. But brothers and sisters, we must use this. We must read and pray and meditate upon the Word. So how are you doing? We must pray. Pray together. Pray alone. This is another means of God's grace that we might grow. We must meet with God's people, particularly here on Sunday mornings and then in our home groups and then other times as we meet during, during the week. All of these things, if we are doing, we're using the means that God has provided and commands us to do in the New Testament, I mean, in the whole Bible. What do we do as far as obedience as a witness? We go and tell the world. We tell our family, we tell our friends, we tell our acquaintances. It is just a normal thing that we do as we go and make disciples. So how are we doing in these things? Well, let me just say one thing. If we do not use the means that God provided, you will see yourself go slowly, 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 slowly down. And there's a lot more I could say here. <clears throat> but in the end, you will turn, completely turn away from the Lord and you will find yourself in a place you do not want to be because those people who heard the word, I'm sure if repentance would have come, God would have saved them, but they neglected all of those means, but Noah did not. Final application. This is the best of all. God will deliver his saints. So hang with me. Just a couple more minutes. This is the last application. God will deliver his saints. This is the big picture for us today when we look at the, the story of Noah. This is the, the gospel. So as Noah entered the ark for salvation, so what do we do? We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that God has sent him. We believe John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We believe that he is the means to salvation. We believe there is no other name given under heaven, on the earth, among men, whereby we must be saved except in the name of Jesus. We believe in the cross. We believe that God sent his son and that he died on the cross, that he laid down his life as a sacrifice for sinners and for those who by faith look to Christ and say, I believe it, 
I believe God sent his son. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. You will be what? You will be saved. If you are not a Christian, hear that again. Look unto Christ and be saved. This is the gospel. This is really the picture of the ark. God saved Noah through the ark. Who is our ark? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shut the door for Noah? God shut the door. God himself, his right arm, is the only one who can bring salvation. It is not of us. And so Noah looked forward to the things unseen. And then we see the fulfillment of that in the gospel of Christ. And we look back, but we also look forward to one day with the consummation of all things. I, I think of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 12. <laughs> and, and this is where, where what's really cool because we often think that the Old Testament prophets and saints, they live by a different law or their faith was different. But no, their faith was exactly the same. They did not know everything as we do, but their faith was connected to who? To Christ. First Peter, verses one, verse 1, verses 10 and 12. He says, concerning this salvation, the prophets, and Noah was a prophet, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, looking forward, they searched and they inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them, the same Spirit of Christ is in them or was in them, was working in a mysterious way there as well. But the same, the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. So here, Peter says the Spirit of Christ was in Noah as he looked forward. Today we look back, but by faith in the same Christ. There is no difference. And we're going to keep pressing this. You might say, John, you're going to keep preaching on faith? Yes, we're going to keep going through chapter 11. And I'm actually, in all honesty, leaving out this part right here where it says he was an heir of righteousness. Now we got onto that just a little bit, but his righteousness is still found in the same ways ours is found and it is in Christ. It is not his own. He is an heir to righteousness as we are. And so by faith today in the same Christ, Noah looked forward and us, we are saved from our sins as we have been also delivered from our sins, and from, from what? The Bible says the wrath to come. Is there anything that can bring more peace to your life than to know that the wrath to come, that God justly will, does pour out upon sin, Romans 1, 18, 1, 16, 17, and 18 there, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against un, all unrighteousness but to know that that wrath has been poured out upon Christ and not upon me. There is no greater relief in this world, no greater peace than to know that our sins are forgiven. And so by faith today, by way of summary, to be a witness, there must be revelation from God, there must be an internal and an external obedience, and, 
And then finally, we, when we go out to, to preach and we live in this world, there is a saving and there is a condemnation. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Again, thank you for your word. It is true. It is powerful. It is convicting. Father, it is a two-edged sword and it pierces our hearts and our souls. Father, to those who are being saved, it is the word of life. To those who are perishing, it is the word of death. Father, may... Everyone who hears my words today, may it be the word of life. And I pray that you would give eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that you would give us great conviction as Christians, even as we heard these words today. Father, I am so convicted as I examine my own life and I see all of my frailties and all of my difficulties. Father, but at the same time, I have an advocate. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who died for my sins and covered my sins. And if, if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me and to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness in Christ. Father, help us today in wherever we are. And we just pray that this sermon would be helpful to our souls. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.